Hey, hey, so you know how I am all about your success, right? And when I say success, I'm not just talking about you making money. I'm talking about you finding your place in this world so that you make the money, but also make the impact and find fulfillment. So I created an amazing tool that I think will be so valuable to you on your success journey. It's called the zone of success. It's a simple three question exercise, but it will help you uncover your gifts, your talents, and help you position yourself for your success so that you can understand what you carry, how you can bring value and grow in your different spaces you operate in, and then position that for your success. Does that sound like something you're interested in? Then check out the zone of success. There's a link in the description box. Check it out and let me know how it goes. All the best in your success. And now to today's episode. Hello and welcome to On Your Link. This is the best place for ambitious people who are taking charge of their lives, making that income, making that impact and living fulfilling lives. And today I want to share my foundation, which is getting personal with God. I am a Christian. I have been a Christian for a while, but I wasn't personal with God for a long time. It took me a while to understand that God is not a distant creator who's just looking down and putting rules and boundaries and trying to make me have a boring life. I actually thought God was a party pooper who was like, no, you never have fun. No, you never dance. No, you never look good. Just be in a sackcloth and live in the mountains. And that's what I believe religion paints God to be, like some abstract father who's detached and who is controlling an authoritative God who is just ready to spank when you do something wrong and if that is your relationship or your perception of God you will not be able to build a relationship with him and if you can't build a relationship with God you miss out on his benefits and I know I've had this discussion with others like my spouse and my friends where it's like no you shouldn't want God for his benefits but he is the one who says come to me who are weary he wants you to know that he has benefits of course when you start off with wanting God for his benefits you graduate to discovering what an amazing father he is but the benefits let you in so today I want to share how I moved from a spoiled brat who just wanted to take, take, take from God to now becoming a partner with him. And I just don't want to say that I'm sharing it as I've achieved it and, and it's complete. No, it's an ongoing relationship like any other relationship. But there are so many things that I didn't understand in the past, even though I was in the faith, even though I believed God, even though I had accepted Jesus. There were so many things I did not get that really limited how far I could go with God and how much of his hand I could see in my life. But if you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, you are designed to be a city on a hill. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. It's meant to attract, it's meant to shine a light, it's meant to be a solution, it's meant to be an answer. And God wants us to be that in our different spaces. But we can't be an answer to the world when we are confused with the world, when we are stranded with the world, when we are in love with the world, like completely enamored by the world itself. You have to be separated. You're going into the world as a secret agent, not even a secret agent, you're not supposed to be secret, <laughs> but you're going there like that, you know, like when James Bond comes in and he blends in, but he does the most, yes, something like that, like a superhero comes in, blends in, but every time there's a need, they have the solution, they are the answer, that's what we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be God's hands and feet, we're supposed to bear his answers and his solutions in this world. And we can't do that if we don't understand who sent us, if we don't understand what our mission is, if we don't understand the strengths he has given us, the angles, the strategies that he wants us to deploy in this world. 
Because we just can't exist and think things will flow. We have an enemy. If you're a Christian, you do understand that there is a devil who is constantly blocking, hindering, distracting you. And therefore, you can't just live and alert and aware. You have to be sober-minded and willing to say, okay, I am on God's side, but what should I do to be connected to my father, to avoid distractions and to be on point as his agent in this world? So number one is commit. That's what I did. But I did two different commitments. Committing is accepting Jesus. You say a prayer where you believe, you acknowledge that you believe that Jesus came and died for you and you declare him Lord. That is honor of your life. That means you are basically saying, I will live by what God says. I have abandoned everything else. My ways, my family's ways, my choices, my line of thoughts, I will stick to what you say. That's a commitment. You're committing to God. Sort of like a marriage where you're saying, forsaking all others and choosing you. <laughs> That's what you're saying. I'm choosing to be with you, Lord. Thank you for opening my eyes to see your beauty, to see your goodness, and just to see your comfort, to feel your comfort. I am choosing to live by you. I made that commitment in uni way back. But like any commitment that you make, any relationship, takes time, effort to go through things together and deepen that relationship. So what I did though, my relationship with God was very shallow. I only let him into places that I was comfortable with. He could have a say in my relationships, but maybe not my career. He could have a say in my friendships, but not my private life, like my personal choices, my entertainment, stuff like that. So if you have limits and walls, you know that that relationship won't thrive fully. You're putting corners and limits. That means you will not be fully known by the person you're in a relationship with and they won't fully know you. And so vulnerability, when you open up, allows you to know that person and to be known as well. And that was something that I didn't do. And I had very strong opinions on what I wanted my life to be about. And those opinions usually contradicted God's word and I wasn't willing to let go. So I made that commitment, but I had to make it again after I had been given a chance because God does not impose. It took me a while where I tried my own ways, my own applications, my own ideas, and I was done. I was done. I was like, I need an answer. I need a new way. And I had to recommit my life to God in that moment. And recommitting at that time meant I am really, really giving my life to you. I am letting go of these things. They are hard. Like for me, the entertainment was hard to let go of. I grew up on certain music, watching certain things. And to just let go of it was really, really hard. But I told God, this is hard. I'm going to have to do it though, because I want a new level. The way I dress, the way I carry myself, oh, there's so many things. I'm still working on so much because with God, relationships get deeper and deeper. But that commitment was to me the most serious commitment I had made because there were so many opinions that I had that were not aligned to that. There was a mindset, how I viewed life that was not aligned to God. And I was willing to be letting go slowly of those things. The beauty of it though was after I would look back, like maybe even a year, looking back, I'll be like, wow, I have changed. I called it therapy with God because I would feel these things like anger come out. I would feel shame come out. I would remember things that were uncovered and God would tell me, let go, let go, let go. You don't need that anymore. You don't need that anymore. And I would cry in my car sometimes, but it was me recommitting. And when I recommitted, God was let in. So it's like you have a house. Your life is a house. 
and God comes in and says, I want a relationship with you. But if you just open the doorway and don't open any other door, he can come in and influence those places. But if you say, you have the liberty, God will say, okay, let's start with the lounge. That's your entertainment. Let's start with your private life, your bedroom. Let's go to your kitchen, how you eat and everything. God wants to influence everything and committing to a relationship with him. That means he does that. And when you do that, you will be different. You'll begin to grow, you'll be challenged, but it becomes such a beautiful, beautiful version of you. Even though it's not complete, you can look back and say, wow, I've come a long way. And that's been my experience so far. So two commitment sessions that I had, two commitment experiences that I had. The second time was really letting go. The first time was quite shallow. Did I say that I would only share three points? But in the second point, I decided to go deep with that because that's something that I did not understand for a long time. So the second point is spend time with God. That is something I have heard over and over, but I did not understand. I knew I needed to read the Bible, but I was not really finding it exciting. I would sleep off, I would be bored, I would dread it. Sometimes I just want to tick a box and I read it. And so spending time with God has different dimensions and I have understood them over time and I am still understanding and learning them. And so every relationship that is starved of time is going to die. So if you are married, no matter how much in love and in tandem you are, but if you don't spend time together in one or the other, you will start to draw apart. And it's the same thing with God. If you want to know him and not just hear what people say about him and hear the experiences that people have had with him, but you want to know him for yourself, then you will have to give him your attention. And that starts with the Bible, reading his word. That's his love letter to you. The Bible is beautiful because it shares God's plan, what he intended to do, how he worked with people and how patient he was, how people tried him. It shares the good things, how he rescued people. It also shares the scary things, his wrath, his nature, judgment and stuff like that. But it goes to the end where it shows you his unconditional love, the redemption, the story of Christ. You can go through the Bible, all through, and then go again. You will learn new things and you get new revelations. And so I have read the Bible over and over in its totality, just to understand the whole story, just to be able to have a picture of different aspects. But I do read it gradually. I've been in Proverbs for a long time because at some point in my life, I was like, I need wisdom, I need wisdom, I need wisdom. So I'd read Proverbs one chapter a day, every day for every month, over and over. And I love reading the Gospels because I love learning about Jesus and his teachings and everything like that. It reveals to me God's commitment, how God wants me to live. I also love the book of Acts. It shows me how God intended the church to function. We are the church. When you are saved, you have committed to Jesus now, there's a way God wants you to operate. He says you should go into the world, heal the sick, cast out demons, signs and wonders should follow you. And we don't see that nowadays as often as we should. And when we do see it, it becomes questionable, at least in my space where we're like, okay, what is happening? What are they doing? It's spooky stuff. And so for me, reading Acts has become very important so that I can understand how God works and how he wants me to operate as a part of his body in these times. I love Romans. Romans is just rich. I read it and I learn so much. I get conviction on so many levels and I'm reading that again right now. So I read it differently. I don't read it as much as I want to, as much as I feel I should, because I do know I spend so much time in other things. 
So for me, it's simple. Like if I am going to be on social media for two hours in a day, and I'm going to be with God for 15 minutes or read the Bible for 15 minutes, I know that I am not serious about God in that day. I actually know that my influence in that day will be less God and more social media. You get it? Because if I'm spending more time pouring into this or drawing into something and just a little time drawing into God, who will influence me? How will my mind operate? How alert am I going to be to the promptings and the leadings of God? You see? So it's continuous and I try to maneuver and to learn to love God in a way and commit to my time to him in a way that doesn't drive guilt or just religion where I'm like, I must read, I must read. However, I do understand that I am committed to fitness, for example. I work out every day. Sometimes I don't feel like it, but I show up and I do it. And that's how I am able to see results and to see progress in that journey. And that's the same attitude I take with the word of God. I know people are so scared, not people, not everyone, but I have seen that in the church that I'm going to or have gone to in the past where people are like, don't make it religious, don't make it like something that you have to do all the time that it becomes a burden. But on the other hand, if you just listen to yourself and say, okay, I just want to take it and go with the flow, the flow doesn't take you to good places. So there's room for that discipline where you say, I wake up at this time and I pray. I wake up at this time and read the word. And I find that it helps me get deeper with God, get to know him. And even another example would be how my spouse and I get intimate in some seasons. Like when we're consistent with spending time together, we get really intimate. We get to just enjoy each other differently because we're like, okay, after dinner, we put the kids to bed. Let's have 30 minutes of just chatting. It feels like nothing at that time. But after a week, after two weeks, we start to reap the benefits of that. And we're like, oh, I feel closer to you. I feel more connected, more aware, more in love. Why? It's because of time. So that's my thing. Um, spending time with God is really, really important. And it has to start with reading the word of God. And don't just read it as a text, though you should read it as a text, but also read it for revelation. So that is where you pray. You pray all the time before reading the Bible. Pray. Just ask God to take you through his word, to show you what he wants you to see, and to soften your heart to his leading so that you'll be able to see beyond whatever is there and you don't resist it. Right? Do that as you read the word and do it often. Do it often because you want God to influence you. You want to hear him and be led by him. I like this example where I was saying, uh, imagine Abraham in the Bible. God told him to kill his son. He went up a mountain and was about to kill him and God said, don't. I was like, oh my goodness, the way I live my life sometimes, I would have killed the son already because like, I would have heard God one time and I'm gone. And God is like, don't kill your son. Don't kill your son. You're like, I know what I know, I hear what I hear, and I'm not even listening anymore. So being alert and aware is how you get a strategy from God that applies to different seasons. Because in that moment, God can want you to run, but in the next moment, he might say rest. He might say drink some water. He might say get up and run again. He might say don't run, walk, don't speak, speak, stuff like that. God wants to order your steps. He knows the best pathways for your life. That's Psalm 32 verse 8, one of my favorite. And therefore, you should let him lead you. And that starts with spending time in the Word. So you can go in a chronological manner where you just read the Bible as uh, it happened. There are Bible plans for that. Or you can just read it as it is. You can read just one book. I love to read it in a chronological manner. Then I also read it again just as it is. <laughs> then I read it like book by book by book by book. I find that really helpful. But have a strategy, have a time, and commit to it. The second thing is prayer. Prayer goes with the word of God. 
I fought this a lot in the past where I used to think I, prayer is just me talking to God. Maybe it is. But what I have been learning recently is that prayer is you speaking to God in alignment with his word. Because God in his word has shown you how he works, his promises and everything. It's like that's the law. And now when you're talking to him, you don't speak outside the law. You stay within it. So if God has not promised that he will make you rich and make people just give you money anywhere and you disadvantage people, if he has not said that in his word, there's no point you praying it because it's not in his will for you because the Bible is his will. I don't know if that's a good example. I'll say if God has said something, for example, I will promote you in his word. So you come to him and say, your word says you're promoting me, Lord. And therefore, I believe it, I stand on it, and I pray that the promotion comes speedily. But if God has not said that he'll take somebody's husband or somebody's wife and give them to you, there is no point being sincere, fasting, and praying for that. It won't happen because it's contradicting his will. If God has not said he'll use corruption, like your connection, to get you to that place, there's no point praying for it. Even though you're being sincere and you're just talking to God, it doesn't matter. So I hope that gives you a picture to say prayer is supposed to be in the boundaries of God's word. So if you want to see effective prayer and I've practiced this and I'm practicing it, I really believe it works. If you want prayer that works, go into the word of God, understand God. I'm not saying understand everything before you pray, but just like the way I shared a verse, Psalm 32 verse 8, you don't come to God and just say, lead me, lead me, please, please lead me, but say, Lord, in accordance to your word, you've said you show me the best pathways for my life. I need to see the best pathways because you're not a liar. You do not lie. Therefore, today, I believe you show me the best pathways as I am walking. I'm being guided in the best pathways for my life. Lord, you say in your word that you have good plans for my life, according to Jeremiah 9, 11. What is happening in my life doesn't feel good. It doesn't look good. What is going on? You say you know the plans and they're good for my prosperity. Show me what I'm missing in this season and let your word be true in my life today. That is an example of how I pray. I've been learning it because for a long time I thought, just pray however God wants to hear from you. But if you're speaking outside his word, he can maybe hear you, but you will not see answers or you won't be able to see results for your prayers. Number three is fasting. Number three, and spending time because there's a sub point. So I'm talking about spending time with God, we started with the Bible, we started, then we said prayer, which should be paired with the Bible reading. Outside it, eh. Number three is fasting. Ooh, I resisted fasting because I am a foodie. I am a foodie, I love food. I love making my food fancy. I love planning my food. I just enjoy food. And so for a long time, I just thought fasting was for the Old Testament and shouldn't be done in the New Testament. But I thank God for my pastor, I thank God for his word and growth because I saw that fasting is essential even in our time. And then being in this entrepreneurial space, I was exposed to people who don't believe in God but will fast and they share the benefits of fasting. And I was like, okay, I believe in God. I know the maker, the designer of this fasting. How am I not using it as well to get closer to God and get answers and strategies from him? So I committed gradually to fasting and it is not easy, but what I found makes it easier is understanding why you're doing it 
understanding God's will about it, which again goes back to the word of God. When you see stories like one of my favorite stories, you can Google it, the story of Jehoshaphat. What happened to him when he fasted is powerful. What Jesus said, he said in Mark 9, where he said, this kind cannot go out but by prayer and fasting. That's also very powerful. There was always this power that surrounded people when they fasted. And in Acts, you find that God would do something new when they prayed and fasted. Paul and Barnabas were sent forth into ministry, set apart from people, from the apostles to say, okay, go, let them go. I have a mission for them after prayer and fasting. So prayer and fasting means you're denying your body of food because I do know that there are different versions of prayer and fasting. And people will say, oh, if I'm fasting from milk, I'm fasting from sweet things, I'm fasting from sugar, I'm fasting from TV, from social media. Okay, but in the Bible, fasting is about you denying yourself of food and there is something about that. Not eating for a specific time to seek God. There's something powerful about that because your body is loud. Your body wants to eat. And when you say no body, you're going to be quiet. You're not going to live by food alone. You're going to live by the word of God. And during that prayer and fasting, read the word of God. It becomes super powerful. You become sensitive in the spirit. You become in charge of your body in a way like you can submit it to God. Your body gets quiet and God gets louder. It takes time. I remember just fasting, like just waiting for time, just sitting, waiting for time because I was hungry and I was just focusing on the hunger. But over time, you learn to subdue your body by the grace that God gives you. You have to even pray about it. Help me fast right. Help me subdue my body. Read Isaiah 58. It's really powerful. Shares a lot of the benefits of fasting and what it does for you and what you're supposed to do when you're fasting, like giving to the poor, like sharing with those people who are underprivileged and stuff like that makes your fasting very effective and charges you spiritually to receive and hear of God, but also to be effective in your physical, getting strategy for your life. The last thing in spending time with God is the giving. Giving is a big deal because that's how God blesses his people. He says, those who give to others lend to the Lord. It was also a thing that I had to learn because there have been so many false prophecies and so much abuse in this area, I decided not to participate. I used to give a lot, but I used to really, really be reserved in how I give. I would give to people, I would give to people I saw had need, but not to church and not to ministries. But I've understood that there are different types of giving. And the generosity is not because of your credibility. I'm not going to give you because you're credible, because I've seen your record and stuff like that. I'm giving you because God has said I should give you. So I might not understand why God is prompting me to give you, but I want God to be able to know that I'm an open channel. He can give to me so I can bless because he blesses us to be a blessing. So I would intentionally say, okay, in this time, I have set aside this money. Lord, who do you want me to give it to? I would have my savings and sometimes I'd feel prompted, give it to this mission, give it to church right now. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes I'm like, I need this. But sometimes I'm also thinking what I'm looking for is much more than what I have. So, you know, sometimes you have, let's say $1,000, but what you're looking for is $20,000. So I'm like, you know what? I'll bless somebody who's paying for $1,000, something like that. That's um rationale i have been employing as well that i'm gonna give somebody and it'll be a full answer to that prayer believing that god is going to give me as well because he knows what i need god actually promises to give back when you give he says when you lend to the poor I mean, when you give to the poor you're lending to him and he'll pay you back in full but he also says give and it shall return to you full measure pressed down shaken together and running over that is all types of giving financially 
giving forgiveness, giving energy, whatever it is, give and it does come back to you. And it also says, what you plant, you will reap. God will not be mocked. You plant, you reap. So giving is your way of participating in the laws that God has put in place to bless us with his abundance. So it's really a powerful way of spending time with God and being with him as he reaches out and touches people, touches ministries and does his work in the earth. So I was sharing three points, right? The first point was you have to commit. The second point was spending time with God, which had some points within, which I've spent most of my time on. And the last thing is obey. Just obey. Obey God. You have to hear him. All these things, spending time with him, is you hearing him. Now you have to just live a life of obedience. And this is going to be perfected with time. Your obedience today will look different from your obedience tomorrow. So today you can just obey because you have said yes to him. But tomorrow, obedience can mean laying something down. Obedience can mean getting up and doing something that makes you uncomfortable. But that's the journey of faith. That's the journey with God. If you want intimacy with him, he has to trust you. Now, when you hear him, you follow him. That's why he says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. A stranger, they will not follow. So obedience is a big part. Obedience is how we become like him. Is how we get to know him more and more and more. Is how he graduates us from one level to another. You become his. You become reliable, like a partner with him because he's able to pour into him. You will graduate from being a child. You know how a child is, they take, 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 eat, 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 they don't listen, you can't rely on them. You graduate from childhood to adulthood, to maturity, where God can trust you and where God can converse with you, where God can reason with you and even give you more in accordance to his will for your life. So I hope that helps. But before I go, I just want you to understand that your personal relationship with God will affect every aspect of your life. I could go deeper and talk about spiritual revelations and stuff like that. But these basics that I'm talking about are essential. I see there's a lot of deception that has happened, lies and hurt, church hurt, and different toxicities in churches and with religion. And sometimes you give up on God and think, no, God is not for me. But that's the whole point of this video, that you should get to know God for yourself. Because there are lots of people who have been hurt. There are lots of people who misrepresent God as well. There are lots of people who are not even working with God, but they claim they are doing it. So unless you spend time with him yourself, and then you'll get to see his benefits, and you'll get to see how he works, you will then know him for yourself, and then make a decision for yourself whether you want to work with him or not. But life is more spiritual than it is physical. When you are intimate with God like that, you get an advantage in life. Because as we sit right now, you just think, oh, I'm just sitting here. But there's so much more happening in the spirit world. And lots of things are completed in the spirit world before they come into play in the physical world. That's why even in the battles that I was reading about in the Bible and I was so impressed about, people would pray and fast and angels would be dispatched to fight. They would win the battle for the people of God. And they'll just come in with victory. You know, so there's a lot of that. And even for me, I have testimonies where somebody said, we don't want a person like you here. You don't qualify for this. We don't need this. And then they come back and they say, but we just thought you should be here. And you're like, you clearly said you didn't want somebody like me. But because God was on my side and he had confirmed to me that this is yours, it came to pass. There's so many testimonies that I can share. But I want to assure you that career, business, relationship, financial, all aspects of life need God because God looks at your life in its totality and he has a plan for each aspect and he brings it all together beautifully because he's the one who sees the end from the end 
He knows the beginning from the end. He knows all that. And he knows what you need to do in this space to thrive and to achieve a fulfilling life. To be able to live a life that is good, so good, you can't even believe it. He knows what needs to happen. And I hope you will give him a chance to walk with you. You'll give him a chance to reveal himself to you so that you will also get to experience his best for your life. Like I have, like I am doing. Right? So if you need more info on this, do leave me a comment. You can also contact me on social media. My name is Mendes Candice Opangata. Like, share, and subscribe. Please, I would like you to help me grow this channel so that I can reach as many people as possible so that we can have a powerful group of people who love God, who know God, but also who are achieving great things in this world um, in their different spaces. I will see you next week. I'm here every week with a new episode. So if you want to work with me, though, there are some links in the description box go into there and click something and it'll get you to my inbox or to my website and we can connect there as well right i'll see you next week bye bye thank you for joining me here on my lane audio experience be sure to subscribe and share and I can't wait to hang out again soon, right? Okay, bye-bye.